and you look at the transcripts and it's it's multiple judges being like are you sure that's what you want to say and they're like no actually that's not what we want to say and they're like okay good because you don't have any evidence of that <laughs> i think it's important to cultivate accountability right because like yeah. the the other thing that that happens implicitly in all of this is people watch and go like oh like look what they can get away with oh there's no it, it further degrades our democracy <laughs> world <laughs> welcome to the mayor podcast episode number 131 it's another paladrome another paladrome oh, shit. it is yeah Exciting. that's a good number i didn't even notice that we get them what every every 10 and then it's 11 and then again every 10 yeah basically. all the way through the 200s oh there's probably some like cool math behind that yeah, John, you should like nerd out on that and bring it to the next. Okay. I'm amazed it hasn't been a Hell bit yeah. yet. Amazed it hasn't been a bit yet. <laughs> Today is Monday, November 30th, 2020. Friends, last day of November. By the time, if any of you are listening to this in the future, which again is all of you, <laughs> uh, it will probably be uh, December, um, which means we're in the last month of 2020. Congratulations to all of us for being alive. It. I know. 11 out of 12 left. months we're getting there yeah we're close it's close uh let's, let's hope let's hope that the dumpster fire that 2020 has been will get better in 2021 and it's not what most people on the internet seem to think which is just 21 2021 is going to be even worse yeah i've seen that too but here's the yeah, like we have a vaccine coming so everybody settled right. down a vaccine we have a different president that's what we're going to talk about today is that transition uh but uh tonight is the three of us um we are without our usual um host and guardrails blake Mannion, aka balaki malbec so uh i'll be taking that and i'm joined uh by john kelly in uh in denver or the surrounding area how are you doing sir I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Surrounding areas is right. Um, also like to wish all of our listeners uh, a happy Thanksgiving, I guess. I know it's a weird time for a lot of people. I know it's a weird season with, with COVID and also probably the introspection that a lot of our listeners have when it comes to some of the problematic aspects of Thanksgiving, right? The imperial and colonial history of it so hopefully you took a little bit of time for yourself last week and had some personal health moments during all the stress that was deciding whether you should travel or if you're alone and feeling lonely or reflecting on the sordid past of the holiday so either way i think you're in the same boat as all of us but hopefully you took some time for yourself at some point that's right appreciate that kelly yeah or alternate names truths giving things taken you know trying out different <laughs> names i've heard from indigenous folks also mm -hmm. if you don't know already look up whose land you're on what is whose land who are the indigenous folks who are likely still living and maybe in uh in your area um and what that history is uh and i'm also joined today uh by as we come out of this long weekend holiday weekend john anderson also in the denver metro area how are you sir i am good kelly i appreciate your uh your words i was this Thanksgiving, I was feeling both like more somber, but also more grateful for things. You know, it was like a weird dichotomy where it was like I was 
especially growing up, I was always like the the like the gratefulness portion of Thanksgiving feels a little cheesy and contrived to me. But especially this year, I took it significantly more seriously and like tried to reach out to people and be specific about like I'm grateful for you for this reason. And you know, maybe like 2020 was terrible. <laughs> But maybe that's one of the things we can take out of it is like appreciating uh, appreciating the things we have, appreciating, you know, the smaller things to be. Um, uh, uh, what is the word? Appreciated. Thankful. Yeah. Appreci yeah appreciated. <laughs> grateful. Yeah. We, we, the Grateful Dead, are appreciative of our friends. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, th <laughs> I, I, I think that's right on. I think a lot of people dealt with it differently. You know, there's been a lot of stress the last couple of months. And so I just, uh, I, I know a lot of people I talk to, there's a lot of different feelings going on. So I'm sure, I'm sure it's been that way. How about you, Tyler? How was, how was your Thanksgiving at the end of the week? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I am, uh, I am your host today, Tyler Grilla. Or when I play guardrails, you can call me Tyler Chardonnay. Okay. Whoa! Wow. <laughs> That's right. That's Ooh. right. The French Ooh. pronunciation of my name, as I wow. just made it up. Uh, Man, does that mean we all have to have our own <laughs> liquor and hopeful sponsorship if we're going to be guardrails one week? That's, yeah, that's about yes, yes. Sounds like a good way to get some sponsors. Right, that's right. Uh, my Thanksgiving was um, was pretty good, you know. Um, also, try to cultivate some gratitude. Um, uh, you know, spend some time reflecting on the indigenous folks here, the Ohlone people, and uh, uh, I donate monthly to the group back here, Segorte Land Trust. Everybody in the Bay, Segorte Land Trust, Shumi Land Text Tax. I suggest paying it. Check it out. It's a way to give give back, and folks can. Uh, the Ohlone people are actually not even a federally recognized tribe, so they don't even get any of the meager federal benefits that that other tribes get. So it's like a voluntary, oh, wow. it's a voluntary tax that they have. They also survived two waves of migration, right? The Spanish wave and then the Anglo wave. So um, uh, they're fierce out here, but they're using that money to buy. They actually recently got a piece of land in Oakland that they're turning into a ceremonial site and also like just to share the history. Um, of the Ohlone people, current also information about how the community, the practices that they do. And they're also into rematriating the land. So they have um, uh, a lot of like a garden there and, and stuff that they that they do. So um, and Lauren also, my, my partner also donated to um, uh, the tribe of, in, in New Jersey where she, where she grew up. So we spent some time reflecting on that and then, uh, you know, cook some food, cook the turkey best I've ever cooked it. You know, get that baste and get that baster underneath the between the skin and the meat. You know what I'm saying? Like, get that going on. Yo, mm -hmm. have you guys, guys seen the clip of Kamala Harris talking about how to cook a turkey when she's 60 seconds out from a TV spot? Wow, no. that's amazing. <laughs> Do yourself a favor and look it up. It's it's like it, it pops up on Twitter every once in a while. I think it's from like earlier in the campaign, maybe the primary. But she's literally she's like, you know, in her ear with the producer. And then the person filming is next to her. And she's just like, let me just throw you down some fucking wisdom. And then she's like also talking with the producer at the same time and get ready. And I'm just like, you're a fucking Jedi. Like, holy shit. It's a great clip. That's that's pretty much. And, she, and she's she, like she's, very concerned about making sure that you get butter under the skin. Well, that's what I'm talking oh, that's about. A pro that's move. what I yep. that's what I did. I made sure I got some butter under the chin. Maybe that was what did it. I thought it was the basting, but maybe it was the butter. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's probably a little <laughs> bit of both. 
a little bit of I both. Mean, the, the best thing to do is brine it first, and then you, you rub that rub the butter in before you put it in the oven. And there you paste go. It. Did Papa Kelly kill it on the turkey? Oh, yeah, dude. Two 16-pound birds. Wow. So yeah, plenty did. of turkey in the Kelly household <laughs> for the four of us. That's did amazing. he get that smoker going outside or what? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yep. Buck, yeah. One barbecue, one just like butter compote. Mm. He spatchcocked one of them. Wow. So good. Uh, uh, should we do a cooking show? Yeah. Yeah. What if this become a cooking, cooking podcast, Tyler <laughs> yeah. Chardonnay? We're going to take a hard pivot after the election. Yeah. Tyler Chardonnay <laughs> steered us in that direction. Uh, well, perhaps talking about Kamala Harris's uh, recipe for turkey would be a good way to transition into our main topic for this evening, which is... All, all things transition, um, both Donald Trump refusing to do so and then also eventually ceding and doing so, uh, which is the moment we find ourselves in now. You know what? I, I saw somebody said that uh, Trump might announce his 2024 run during the inauguration. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah, that would. Yeah, do come it. on. That wouldn't surprise Fucking me at all. Do it, yeah. man. Every uh, everybody yeah. knows he's as long as he's alive, he's going to run in 2024. Um, yeah. You know, he's getting old. He doesn't eat that well. So maybe he doesn't make it to 2024, but there's a good chance that he will and he'll run again. Wouldn't it be weird if it was the only other non-sequential president to serve two terms? It's fucking Grover Cleveland and then Donald Trump. I am going to quit this country if that happens. I'm going to be so fucking upset if that shit happens. It's, I don't think it's going to happen, though. I mean, you know what? We got plenty of time to talk about 2024. Right. Yeah. Yeah. More importantly... Uh, Wisconsin and I think Arizona certified today in terms. And that means that all of the, um, that wraps up all of the swing states, all of the, the, I think Trump is, uh, one for 39 in his court cases and, um, all of those. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I don't know if you know, but that's uh, like the highest ratio ever of any sport of ever, (laughs) ever of anybody ever. 2.4%. That's a pretty high success rate, right? (laughs) It's been amazing to see all of the details coming out of those court cases, too, where it's just like they're like, oh, it's fraud. And then they get sworn under oath and they're like, we're not actually alleging fraud. We're alleging, you know, like (laughs) basically every time. And and you look at the transcripts and it's it's multiple judges being like, is that sure? Are you sure that's what you want to say? And they're like, (laughs) no, actually, that's not what we want to say. And they're like, okay. Good, because you don't have uh, any evidence of that. (laughs) I don't have a lot of personal experience in this, but from folks that I trust, they're like, these these decisions are like dropping nuclear devices. Like, it is astounding some of these devices where – or devices – decisions where they are brutal. To Trump and his campaign and and his lawyers, yeah, um, it's 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 why a lot of them dropped out is because they knew that they were on iffy legal ground at best, and they didn't want to go into any future trouble with the courts by getting you know disbarred if they're a lawyer or by yep. losing their credibility as a firm. Yeah. Right. Um, if you're yeah, if you're a public firm and you're like getting hired, like. How bad is it to be like, oh, you were one of those who took on that ridiculous, you clearly know nothing because that was stupid. (laughs) The Lincoln Project ran a campaign against those law firms and literally they were like, go make a LinkedIn profile. Here's their LinkedIn. Go and contact them on LinkedIn. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, they went after them hard and they dropped out. And it, I mean, 
very basically you have Rudy Giuliani and company uh and they are not respected lawyers and no respected lawyer has taken this on because they know that there's no case here i mean like right. honestly i read some i i like with you know at one point i was like all right i'm like i was like slightly concerned i was like let me read and like their thing was like there's fraud and then they'd be like where's the evidence for that fraud and they'd be like well that's what we want we want you to find the evidence for the fraud and they're like <laughs> Okay, but like right. you have to show us some sort of evidence that there could be fraud. They're like, no, 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 we that's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. And you're like, that's not a case. That's not a fucking case. Right. I've also appreciated the um, uh, public relations campaigns that have been like, you're telling me that Biden got 15 million more votes than Barack Obama? Something's fishy here. And it's like, I am telling you that. That's yeah. exactly what I'm <laughs> yeah. telling you. And and Trump got like 12 million more. It's like yeah. they both got more Get votes. The fuck more out of here. Yeah. I'm like you still I was like I was like, "Oh, so what you're what you're telling me is that you don't realize that nobody in the US votts." You don't yeah, you don't know. Because yeah. <laughs> that yeah. it's like, "Wow, how and, could there be that many more people?" You're like, "Because this time people were trying harder <laughs> because that's how much people fucking hate Donald Trump. Yeah. That's why he or got some people love him votes. or some people love him because he exactly. got 12 million more right. votes. You know, yeah. it's just how high stakes the election was. And people who usually sit home were like, uh, I'm going to vote in this one, one way or the other. Yep. Right. Exactly. Be... And I mean, I'll say it again. I'm glad that it happened. It's good for <laughs> democracy. If more people vote, it shows us some of the deeper, uh, problems that we've been talking about for multiple years on this podcast in terms of how people view, you know, America and what the future of the United States should be. But, um, you know, I was happy to see so many people voting. Hopefully that's better for our polity in the long run. And tons and tons of young people voted, it, it seems like, which you are more likely to, to continue voting if you have already done so, especially when you're younger. So that is really good i love how many people voted in this election we need more hopefully it keeps up through the midterms in this runoff um i am very concerned i'm having this this like dichotomy where uh in the short term i'm like this is great and i'm having lots of schadenfreude over like trump destroying the electoral process and it looks like it's gonna cost him or it could cost him senate seats in georgia and i find that very funny however the long term implications of what has happened post-election are terrifying i think you can consider a lot of the republican party i think you can consider the republican party on the national level let me the state level some of these officials have been remarkable have been great have been wonderful public servants and we all owe them a debt of gratitude but on the national level i think the republican party has become an illiberal party explicitly yeah. And are going to continue to be illiberal. And like we talked about uh, on a podcast a little while ago, I think it was a David Frum quote that said, if Republicans realize that they can't win being conservative, they're not going to abandon conservatism. They're going to abandon democracy. And I think right. that's essentially what we're seeing here. And and that bodes really poorly. Well, and, for... and, and look at look at it in the country, the history. Right. Is that, you know, um, the Republicans, the, the Republican Party now which is the remnants of the old Democratic Party in the South, did the yep. same thing. Democrats, when they were the Democrats, they did the same exact thing, which was holding on to less and less of a portion of the population until they could spin it. And basically when the Southern strategy happened with the Republicans took back the South and it just re 
it basically turned north south into rural versus urban um right. in a very quick yeah. sweep um <laughs> historically but um this is a very interesting thing the difference between the national and the local you know, Republican Party officials, because I agree that the local officials really have done great. They've stood up to Trump and said, no, we're not going to break the law in our state and we're not going to go out on a whim to try to support your fraud. But I think, um, the, you know, the another issue that we see in, in this situation is that um, I don't believe that Trump's ever going to truly concede this election. No. Um, and uh, I, I saw a couple articles about it. I'm going to get into another one in a second. But um, I, I think what you'll end up seeing is that you'll have a not insignificant portion of the population that are Trump supporters that believe he won this election and will look at him almost like a president in exile in his own country for the next four years, no matter what Biden does. Um, and it'll be worse than how the how the Democrats clung to um, Al Gore after the 2000 election. It will be a much stronger connection between Republicans and Trump now um, and a potentially dangerous one, um, as we've seen the rise of right wing militia groups. Um, and, you know, that really it brings me to the Atlantic article that I shared with you guys earlier on the Slack chain. And I think we'll probably end up getting on our website at some point, which is the question of should people be punished for doing this to our democracy? Right. And where do uh, the Trump officials and his lawyers and the people that are supporting him, where do they stand to be held accountable for the potential damage that they really are doing to our democracy with the way that they're doing these frivolous challenges, going to court and saying we haven't really found fraud. But then two days later, having giant press releases and hour long press conferences saying that there's fraud everywhere. Right. I find campaigns. that question fascinating. And it's something yeah. I've been super struggling with which is and and like i think that also is what do we do with all of the shit that happened in the during the administration that was also illegal like there were we all watched hatch act violations on television like all the fucking time yeah and so we have to reestablish the primacy of rule of law in this country. That is absolutely, absolutely. vital. But I, I think that's going to be very hard to do so with the tools at hand uh, to do that. because and, and the support of his base. Yeah, he's – and I guarantee you uh, – well, I almost guarantee you. I think there's like a 90% chance he pardons himself, and, and the, the reason he's going to do that, and he's going to do it preemptively, and he's going to say, they're going to come after me as soon as I'm not president, and so I'm pardoning myself, and this is a witch hunt, and that yep. is a political legal strategy that you can see already playing out, and so – if we do go after these folks, are we playing into their hands at some point? There's also real fucking problems in this country that we need to go solve, and you're going to spin down political capital going after these folks, and it might not even work, and it might even make the problem worse. So I have really, really, really – but they, the rule of law has to be reestablished. So – where is the balance there? And the only thing I can think of, and I don't even really know how to like – morph this metaphor into the um into the into the present yet but the thing that i have been thinking about is after the civil war there was essentially no punishment of the south the they threw jefferson davis in jail for 
nothing okay. and everything, and they just let him stay there for a while. I mean, like, I don't even think they charged him with anything. They just put him in jail and right. had him be in jail for a while. And then they executed the commandant of Anders- Andersonville Prison, which was the worst POW camp in the South. And that, that was, was it, basically. That's it. And so... To my mind, I guess if if I'm going to translate that in real time, it means that the leaders at the highest levels need to see some kind of rule of law applied to them, which I think is Trump and Trump's family. I think we can say that in a in a concrete sense. And then I'm, I'm open, open to, to debate, debate for basically anybody else. And then I will say there has to be some real fucking justice around what happened at the border with those kids. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I agree there, with you on that. Yep. That I think is is the Andersonville prison kind of thing where it's no, no this, this is, is where, where we're going to really get. crack down and and there's going to be some fucking shit coming down on people who were responsible for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and, and I I, I think that's I, I have the same question like how, how does one do that? Do you spend the time doing it? I mean, in some ways it's like I think it's important to cultivate accountability. Right. Because like yeah. the, the other thing that that happens implicitly in all of this is people watch and go like, oh, like, look what they can get away with. Like, like, oh, there's no it, it further degrades. Right. Like our democracy. If it's like, oh, like people can do this now. It's tricky because a lot of it. I mean, I think that there are some things where it's very, it's like the human rights violations. I think that you can very easily. And also, honestly, I would love to see like the U.N. get involved with that. You know, I would love like the U.N. Human Rights Council. Like not that I love the U.N. Human Rights Council. Every all bodies have their fucked up thing, but I would love there for there to be some international uh, accountability. Like, yeah, that's that, not going to happen. That's, I mean, that's, that's, a, not, that's a pipe yeah, dream. Not going to fucking happen. Yeah, um, you can talk to our nuclear weapons about that. Yeah, exactly. But like, but like, you would think that like, wouldn't it be great? Like, if the Biden administration was like, yes, like, like, let's actually do that. You know, like that's not gonna that's not gonna happen. That would be like the ideal. And then beyond that, a part of me is like, well, do you just leave it to like all the tax and legal shit that's in the state courts right now, like in New York? And just like let that be the fucking let let like that that play itself out, right? Like the tax fraud, all the things that are already going, and just try to get them at like state levels, which is more of just like a punishment, though it's not really holding someone accountable in the same way, you know. But it's like how do you how do it you yeah. hold someone accountable for under like for I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, how do you do it legally? I just don't know for undermining like the election through like the words that you say when it's very hard to nail down, like how that actually impacted things, you know? Right. right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that they're right. There's multiple aspects going on here and I'm not so sure that I'm ready to sign on to a one-to-one comparison with the civil war because there's a lot of negative outcomes that happen because they left parts of the south unpunished and then they didn't do a good yeah. job in the next 10 years I, when it came to reconstruction i wasn't so. trying to make a one-to-one comparison i was saying that is the the closest metaphor i can think of currently it seems like the best the- there's that type of division and friction in the country. And so maybe looking at it for some historical background is probably a good idea. And I agree with you on that. But I think, you know, depending on how Trump actually pardons himself, there could be little loopholes in what he does that they could still charge him with federal stuff, depending on what evidence is left in the White House and um, in certain 
uh, executive branch divisions, right? There could be evidence there that he did more stuff that people were aware of. And, you know, pardons are a very iffy thing. You can't just say, I'm parting myself from all federal crimes. A nebulous, right. a nebulous pardon for everything. He's got to be specific in his pardon. Yeah. Because they can come back and get to him and stuff. So there could be stuff there, and it'll be left to Biden and then the Democrats and the House and possibly the Senate as well to see if there's going to be anything long term. Um, but it's really, you know, it's going to be federal crimes. The state thing's interesting. What I'd like to see um, is something in that Atlantic article, too, which was an interesting point, is that, you know, the, the lawyers that had represented him, um, and, you know, Rudy Giuliani, stuff like that, you know, there's a potential for them to get um, disbarred from their states. They're not allowed to yeah, practice, practice law anymore. They could hand down penalties, multiple year penalties for being like, you knew this was frivolous. You took the time of the court and right. you continued Continue. to do it anyway. Um, the court has the power to do that in the state. So maybe something like that would help deter future people from jumping on ship. Right. To help, right. help someone so, like a Trump, because yeah. my biggest fear is that if there's if there's nothing and he, he pardons himself, he walks away and then the state courts can't find him for tax evasion or anything. And there's literally no punishment for anything he did the last four years is that the next Trump that comes along, who's more efficient and better at it, will really be able to get the authoritarian train rolling. And it'll yeah. be hard to stop it. Yeah, we need to we need to uh, enact some deterrence to use a yeah, know, yeah, yeah. international relations phrase. And so what do, what that deterrence looks like is going to be interesting. It's also, you know, it, it goes down to the DOJ um, to bring federal charges, right? And Biden has vowed to return us to a non-political DOJ. So it, it, I'm very interested right. to see who his pick is going to be for DOJ because I think that's going to signal a lot of things about w what we're looking at for the next couple of yeah. years. It's, yeah. a it's a tender situation, situation man, because if he goes the opposite way and goes hard and does nothing but spends the first two years trying to par prosecute Trump, right? and makes the DOJ really political, then it's just as bad. Then it's a sign yeah. that every president has to walk in and use that as a political weapon. And that's, yeah, definitely, that's definitely what, what we don't want to see. You know, we want yeah, some we want accountability, some but we can't have that turn into just a political, like right, like a mace of the president that just swings through opponents this is or the other party's party opponents party. whenever they're not in power. Right. Um, this is, um, it is. Ex th this is a good example of the inherent strategic disadvantage Democrats and institutionalists, which are not always the same thing, have in also this situation against Trump and against the GOP because the GOP wants to discredit government. Yeah. That's like, right. An anti-government party can party wield that wield easily. Yeah. Yeah, and they like the the tactic reinforces the strategy and it's asymmetric. Yeah. We do not have a, a a way of turning around and doing the exact same thing. Yeah. This is the opposite of mutually assured destruction. And so the the and and I don't have a good answer to this of how do people who believe the institutions need to function properly, properly. use those institutions to go and deal with folks who do not play by those rules. Yeah. And, and I don't know if there's an easy answer. And they've been, you know, partially su uh, successful in trying to discredit government, the GOP, right? Because, like Kelly, you were saying, there's all these people who are Trump supporters and already think that he won and that it was a fraudulent election. Like, to them, in their worldview, like, d the democracy is already broken. Like, it already is fraudulent, right? And 
Uh, this is interesting. It it goes back to I'm reading Obama's autobiography right now, and he talks a lot about um, th- the uh, obstructionism of the GOP and how it fucking worked. Yeah. He was like, people were fucking mad at me because we couldn't fix the financial situation uh, crisis, and the reason we couldn't fix it in the way we wanted to is because of fucking Mitch McConnell. Yep. Yeah. And then they went out and destroyed the Democrats in the midterms. Annihilated Violated them. Yeah, it's wild. And so it was like the the biggest um, swing since thirty two, I think. Right. And it's, so it's amazing it, that it worked that way, but it shows what the American body politic will believe and how easily yeah, it's swayed by somebody who puts his foot down and says, "We're not doing, we're not making any movement," and then goes out and points the finger that it's the other person's fault that there was no agreement here. It's not, yeah, our, not fault. our fault. We were reasonable, yeah. reasonable about all that, even though we obstructed every piece of legislation <laughs> for two years. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. And so I do think that the Biden administration is going to be right. Is going to be really telling and, and important for the next four years of the country to try to get us back on track and who his team is also is going to be super <laughs> important. Uh, and that has been almost exclusively like, superstar institutionalists basically like you haven't heard a lot uh, about them because they're boring and competent which has just (laughs) been amazing like honest to god some of these folks i had only you know heard of tangentially or not at all um which was like refreshing and i was like oh my god i have to like brush up on these people (laughs) um the uh tony blinken who is the secretary of state it was he, he so two things about him. Number one, go and watch the the Muppet video that he made. It's so good and wow. so wholesome and refreshing. He talks about refugees with the fucking Muppets. Nice. And then another thing, he, during his um, announcement, he was talking about how his father, stepfather, uh, or uh, grandfather um, – I forget which. Uh, he he was a, a school child in Poland when um, the Holocaust happened. He, he had like 700 or something students in his school. He was the only one to survive. He was uh, in a prison camp. He was on a death march, and the death march got – at the end of the war, and the death march got sp- – uh, strafed and he bolted he hid he heard a tank coming he saw that the tank was an american tank and he got on his knees and he said the only three words that he knew in the english language which his mother had taught him before the war which was god bless america wow and wow. i yeah. listening to that i was like that is the cheesiest shit it is hard to believe and god damn it i have missed that yeah yeah i just want some cheesy unbelievable shit that's all oh man i was just like i can't it was like emotional to be like i have (laughs) i have missed this the last four years so hard i mean even even the terribleness of like george bush still had that kind of patriotism behind it how misguided it was john i hate to break it to you there's still that type of patriotism if you really want it You just got to start going to like Proud Boy rallies. That's what they do. Sit around and (laughs) stroke each other off about how great the motherland is. I don't, I don't mean to throw it in your face because I I understand what you're saying. And there has been a, a, um, I think a real decrease in patriotism on the left, but also just in the unitedness of the country. People are like the other side isn't Americans anymore. And there needs to be more of that. We're, we're all Americans on both sides. 
Kelly just needed to rain on that parade a little bit. I, I get emotional when I, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm even worse than both of you. I just get emotional every time I realize I don't know what Joe Biden is thinking while he's taking his shit. And I'm like, oh, it's so great. I don't know. It's so great to not know. I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, it seems like it seems like a lot of the transition team, a lot of people that he's looking at, um, it's very positive. Um, I like the pick of the um, Treasury Secretary. I she seems don't because really I just wanted solid, Elizabeth Warren, but I knew that wasn't going to happen. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. unfortunately, no, there was can't... no chance she was going to get confirmed. I know, I know. Maybe if we'd done better in the Senate, yeah, but right. no, we we can't afford the seat. Right. There's a Republican governor. Yeah. yeah. So we yeah, we can't afford the seat even if she was confirmable, which is debatable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yelling. I mean, I'm in it for the puns. I'm in it for the puns for sure. I mean, yelling <laughs> about yelling. The, like, Janet's Janet scowling, Janet smiling. Oh my god. Those so, memes, yeah. Oh my god, so good. So good. Yeah. They're coming. <laughs> They're coming. They're definitely coming. Uh yeah, um, the, the Senate, I mean, sorry. she's very very respected on both sides. Um like you know, you have a ton of people coming out and praising her. Most, almost all of these picks have been like that, which is very encouraging. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've liked most of them. The one I would say, um, the, the his hope for the head of the um, the budget office, Niren, yeah. her name is. Um, she's one that I don't necessarily like fully. She's been a little bit anti-union and a little bit anti kind of Me Too and sexual harassment stuff. Um, she actually fired somebody in her office for like reporting me to harassment, like named her in a meeting and then fired her. So oh, it's a little, it's a little, she's a little iffy and she's been a little anti-union, but she's in a budgetary office. So I don't know how much that affects people hate her on the right. It seems like mostly because she's mean to them on Twitter. <laughs> well, oh yeah. She's part of a li- liberal think tank that points out, you know, their discrepancies and how they view budgetary concerns. Yeah. Oh wait, now you care about the budget being out of whack? What do you what? <laughs> that is I am going to rant about that so many times on this podcast over the next two yes. to four to yeah. six to eight years, etc. Yeah. We're all it gonna is, do it. Because it's it it's is so hypocritical. So fucking infuriating. I it is I infuriating. Infuriating. <laughs> I can't even fucking say the word because it <laughs> makes me so fucking irate and angry that these motherfuckers are going to rediscover the fucking deficit after they gave a whole bunch of money to goddamn billionaires in 2017. It's going to be terrible. I think we can well, go ahead I mean, and coin that term that when uh, someone is trying to make you feel lot like your position is logically inferior but actually their position is logically inferior and it's infuriating, it's inferior. <laughs> it's infuriating. And it's yes. infuriating. It's, a gro- it's, it's growing your <laughs> irateness. I like that. But yeah, I mean, you, you'll be able to read it like a book. It's going to happen. And cutting tax it's not like they cut the budget overall in this country either all right we talked no. about it many times right the budgets that they did pass during trump all they did was cut services for poor people and they increased spending exponentially for the military yeah. so it's not yeah. like they cut spending they just added no. a bigger deficit while cutting taxes that's all that they did and they made, they made it symbolic worse. cuts right they made symbolic they cuts made to medicare and medicaid yeah. and yeah yeah so, it's, it's ridiculous also the it's trump like, cuts go down even each year uh as we go forward the next few years for like middle class and poor people so it's basically like you got a tax cut and then you're gonna get less 
of a tax cut and let and less it's like it's like a tiered thing so it looks good at the beginning and then it just yes. as you stop paying attention and when also democrats are in office i mean hopefully that's another reason for the senate friends uh which we don't have time on this podcast to get into but there are still two seats up in georgia and if that could flip and we have we have well we will not have the judiciary but we will have congress and we'll have the presidency a lot of things could get done it's it's it is so if we can win those two seats in the Senate, which if you have any money left or any time to make calls or anything, please send them to Georgia. Because if Mitch McConnell, if we win both of them, Mitch McConnell will not be the Senate majority leader. And that means that uh, Chuck Schumer will be in charge of what legislation gets voted on. He will be in charge of who is the chairs of each committee. It's very, very important that we yep. oust Mitch McConnell. Also, it's a fairly uh, strong argument that Mitch McConnell has been worse for America and American democracy over the last many years than Donald Trump has been. So let's take that same fire and go out and fucking win in Georgia. That's what I'm talking about. And if you right. get a fucking friend, stay safe out there because COVID's getting real bad. Uh, it's winter time. Also, we're going to see in the next like 10 days after Thanksgiving how shitty it gets. So please be safe. Yep. However, if they do rush through, they're trying to, they're doing an emergency, convening to, to hopefully pass another stimulus check that many, many Americans need. If you're one of the uh, fortunate Americans who does not need all of that money and you consider donating it, fucking donate it to a Georgia race because that'd be fucking hilarious. <laughs> do yes. that shit. <laughs> I like it. Please, I like it, for the but... love of God, do that. Yep. I and... like I like it, Tyler. You're, you're 100% correct. I, I want to say it again. I think that... We'll probably talk more COVID here once the election stuff slows down a little bit, but the vaccines look promising. The distribution looks promising starting next year. So really just hunker down and take care of yourself and the people around you because we're going to get through this. And yeah. starting next spring, it's going to be a lot better for everyone. But this is really crunch time to make sure that we don't have a lot more people dying over the next month or two. Yeah, folks, we have we have lasted this long. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, you just got to hold out a little bit longer. It's shitty. I know. Yeah. But <laughs> British people get during this. the Blitz didn't say, hey, the Americans might start helping us in three months so we can start going outside again. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They were, yeah. We can do this, folks. Literally, they're asking you to sit on your couch and watch Netflix, not get bobbed by the fucking Luftwaffe. So, like, I I think you're going to be okay. But so that's just... why we need Congress to act and pay people yes. who are potentially getting kicked out of their homes or they don't have enough for food. You know, pass a, pass a fucking stimulus check, please. For the love of God, these people need it. Not everybody look, needs cowards, it. Poor people it's need the it. lame duck. Yeah. Like, come on, yeah. Corey Gardner, looking at you, bro. You already lost. You yeah. already fucking lost, man. We all voted against you, but you can redeem yourself a little bit just with this one vote. So come on, man. Let's do it. Send out those you stimulus checks. You say you checks. care about Colorado citizens. You say you care about Colorado citizens. Vote yes on yeah. the stimulus check. There you go. Let's see it, man. Put up or shut up. Godspeed. What up, world? Wait, 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 wait.
wait, sorry, we gotta do it again because I don't know what episode this is. What fucking do episode it live! Is? Fuck you! <laughs> it's 131. <laughs>